Welcome to Eczema Breakthroughs, brought to you by Global Parents for Eczema Research, or Cheaper. This show features conversations between parents of children with eczema and the world's leading scientists and researchers who study eczema. Global Parents for Eczema Research is an international network of parents that advocates for better treatments and management options for children with eczema. Jeeper is led and comprised of parents of children with eczema and was formed in 2015 to address the critical need for research that answers questions of importance to patients and families. Learn more about Jeeper and subscribe to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Hello and welcome everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey with Global Parents for Eczema Research and super glad you could make it today. If you're new to our group and want to find out more about what we do, please check out our webpage, parentsforeczemaresearch.org. You'll find a link to our closed Facebook group where we post events like these and you can stay in touch. Just before we get started with today's guest and topic, I'd like to invite my colleague Carrie to give a quick plug for a new program we're offering this year. It's for parents um, of children with eczema. It's totally free and it's open to anyone, anywhere. So Carrie, do you want to just say a few words about it before we get into the podcast? Sure. It's called the Support for Eczema Caregivers Initiative. And it is designed to help meet the needs of eczema parents specifically. We've got some varying sources of support to help. They're unique to the eczema caregiver. And participants that sign up will get a welcome, like a care package. And like Corey said, it's open to anyone in the world, mostly English speaking, but it is free. And you can find more information on that on our website. And that's parents for eczema research.com slash caregiver. Thanks, Carrie. Yep. Super um, excited to launch that this year. Only program like it that we know of, and that's open to anyone in the world. So look for that on our page. So let's go ahead and get uh, started with the podcast. I'm happy to introduce our guest speaker today, Dr. Joy Wan. She is a dermatologist and researcher with Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. She focuses her research on chronic inflammatory skin diseases and primarily eczema. Her work aims to understand and address the health, social, and life impacts of chronic skin diseases in children specifically. Dr. Wan recently published an article in the journal JAMA Dermatology about the link between eczema and learning disabilities, which is the subject of our podcast today. So welcome to the show, Dr. Wan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, great. So I think just to get started, could you tell us what got you interested in this topic and maybe why you decided to dig into it a little further? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned earlier, I'm a pediatric dermatologist by training and also an epidemiologic researcher. And I think this area sort of combines some of my interest in in both of those arenas. So, you know, as a practicing clinician, I care for many children with atopic atopic dermatitis or eczema. And what has really struck me in those encounters with my patients and their families is that the impact of the skin disease goes way beyond just the skin. And you as parents can obviously appreciate that very readily. And oftentimes when I do ask children or their parents about how they're doing in school, how they're sleeping, you often, you know, sort of get hit with a barrage of sort of responses about, you know, sort of lack of sleep or difficulty falling asleep, you know, sort of itch getting in the way of uh, a lot of the day-to-day functions. And so for me, that really, you know, made me 
much more interested in kind of the larger global kind of psychosocial, I'll call it, impact of eczema in my patients and also their impact on their families. And so that as a whole has driven a lot of my own research interests. You know, I've seen many of the studies that have come out in recent years done by others in our field, looking at the link between atopic dermatitis and um, sleep impairments, its link with inattention or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Very little um, research has been done looking at learning or kind of the school-related aspects of having eczema. And so I felt like that was sort of a gap in our knowledge base. And that really was kind of the impetus to look at learning. So you, you took this kind of big data approach and you used a registry of data that includes children ages two to 17 that had been followed for 10 years. As I understand it. And you found this association between the severity of the eczema and the presence of a, a learning disability. Can you talk about A, what learning disabilities specifically had the strongest association, maybe? Like what's sort of included in learning disability? And then what are the implications of the research of the finding, do you think, as a clinician? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe before I kind of jump into all the findings um, from the study, I can sort of just provide an overview of, of the of the study population of you know the group of kids that we actually studied in this particular um, body of work. So there were about two thousand kids who are um, enrolled in this registry called the Pediatric Eczema Elective Registry, and this is a registry that's been ongoing for um, ten plus years now, and it enrolled a lot of children who had previously used medicine topical primacrolimus or Eladel is the brand name that some of you may recognize it better by. And so kids were enrolled into this registry if they had used that medicine. And it was actually designed to really follow them for other types of outcomes. They were worried about side effects from the medicine in the long run. But as part of this registry, we collected data uh, on a variety of other things. So we asked you know, about severity of their eczema. We also asked about a variety of other comorbid um, conditions, so other illnesses or medical conditions that they might have. And one of those things that was included, you know, in terms of what was asked about was learning disability. And so you had asked, you know, what specific learning disabilities, you know, did we find a link with eczema? And unfortunately, one of the limitations is that we didn't, we couldn't delve into that more because when they asked about learning disability, it was sort of just a catch all of any type of learning disability. So that, you know, sort of kind of brings up future directions, which is that we certainly want to be able to pinpoint a little bit more specifically, perhaps what types of learning disorders are mostly um, related to eczema, if there is any particular kind, right? We couldn't ask parents, you know, what types of learning disorders their child may have had. We couldn't ask them about, you know, perhaps treatments that they may have had or therapies that they may have had for the learning disabilities. And so all of those things need to be asked about, and I think are things that we want to certainly do in future work. But getting back to this particular study, what we um, essentially found was that children who had milder eczema, they tended to be less likely to have a report of a learning disability. In contrast, as you moved up the severity scale for eczema and you got to kind of the kids with more severe or very severe eczema, they were much more likely to also have a learning disability. When you took the kids with moderate eczema and compared it again to that sort of more inactive or clear skin group of children, you had about a twofold increase in your odds of having a learning disability. 
And then when you took the most severe group of kids with eczema and compared it again to that sort of inactive group of children, they had about a threefold increase in their odds of learning disability. And so essentially, if you sort of plotted it out, you can kind of see this kind of dose effect, right? The sort of the, the greater the dose of severity of your eczema, the greater the effect or the greater the odds that you also had a learning disability. And so that kind of dose responsiveness, that dose response effect, as we call it, suggests that eczema itself may be a driving risk factor for learning problems. And so while this study is what we call a cross-sectional study, we sort of looked at both the eczema severity and the learning disability sort of as a, at a snapshot in time, you know, at the same time. Future work will really need to tease out kind of the timing of these two events as well. So following children, perhaps from the time that they develop their eczema and then following them forward in time to kind of see when learning problems may develop. And then, as I mentioned earlier, specifically which types of learning problems and, you know, getting more of a sense of kind of the details of the learning disabilities that we're picking up. So what I would say is that in a nutshell, what we found in this study is sort of just kind of the first sign, the first, you know, a piece of evidence that there is this link potentially between eczema and learning problems. And future work is really going to be needed to dissect out the, the nature of those relationships. That's great. And I think really helpful to hear more about the data set and what you were and were not able to to look at. And, and kind of related to that, I, I wanted to share just a quick story about my own child and, and sure. learning disability and then ask a, a follow-up question. So when my son's um, eczema was truly at its worst, he was itchy all the time. And I mean, you've seen these kids incredibly uncomfortable at night. He was not sleeping, you know, sleeping maybe all told a couple of hours, you know, in between waking up with itch, his behavior sort of oscillated between kind of like wild and then exhausted during the day. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if we had him sort of assessed by a, a, a child psychologist, he would have had some yeah. diagnoses because he was displaying behavior that was, mm -hmm. you know, lack of focus, yes. kind of wild wild behavior, all those sort of things. So I guess my point is, how do we really tease this out? We have these kids who are incredibly uncomfortable. The itch is distracting. They mm -hmm. can't focus on school. They're exhausted. And these things come with the eczema symptoms that aren't necessarily a separate learning disability. We see in these kids, like mine, once the eczema is under control, all those things disappear and their sort of underlying personality and innate personality emerges. So perhaps the answer is we can't answer this with the approach that you took with this study, but there is this right. problem that you can't separate out, you know, the challenges of living with uncontrolled eczema from what seems like a learning disability. So I wondered if you, you could maybe comment on that as perhaps a clinician that deals with kids with severe eczema yeah. or more serious eczema and how you would even know to say like, this is truly a learning disability, or this is a kid that's, you know, trying to get through a day with really difficult, a really difficult situation that even an adult would be really hard pressed to sort of handle. Exactly. Yeah. No, you, you've, you've really hit upon kind of what I say is you know, the million dollar question here, because this is a very complex set of 
you know, relationships, right? Between sleep, between chronic itch, between, you know, that and learning, right? And cognition and mood and all of those things have significant interplay. And so it is really hard to tease out any one element of those things, right? From amongst the others, you really kind of have to look at it as a whole. And so first, just to sort of go back to, you know, the particular study, you know, that we sort of just summarized, we try to look at this a little bit, but there were a lot of limitations in our ability to do so. So one thing that we did try to do in our study was to try to take out the piece of ADHD, take out the piece of you know depression, anxiety, or at least what the parents would report the child as having been diagnosed with in the past. And we also tried to account a little bit for kind of sleep impairment. So essentially, in addition to asking about learning problems, the children in the registry were also asked about sleep problems. They were asked about, as I mentioned, depression, anxiety. They were asked about about you know, behavioral or conduct disorders as well. And so in the analyses that we did, what we did was to also adjust for or account for those other factors to sort of say, you know, if all of those other factors are um, essentially equal between the kids with severe eczema and those without severe eczema, what is the remaining relationship between eczema and learning problems? And so the numbers that I sort of provided earlier about having a threefold increase in the odds of um, learning problems, if you had severe eczema compared to really inactive eczema, that actually does account for reported, reported problems with sleep reported diagnoses of depression, anxiety, um, and ADHD. And so it, it sort of suggests that some of these associations that we're seeing between eczema and learning problems, they may actually at least be independent of some of these other factors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not an exhaustive list of things that we could account for in our analyses. You know, we didn't have a lot of data on itch in and of itself, right? We didn't have a lot of nuanced data on sleep. You know, it's not as if we knew how many hours of sleep they were getting, right? All we had asked about was, have they ever been, you know, diagnosed with a sleep problem? And so, you know, it's a very crude sort of way to account mm -hmm. for some of these other, what I call potential mediators mm -hmm. or confounders. Future work really um, does need to delve into that more. One way is to do more observational kinds of studies where we aren't really intervening or, you know, introducing any sort of treatments, but just to sort of observe kids over time, really follow children with eczema over a period of six months, a year, maybe even longer, and then measuring all of these factors in unison. Right. Mm -hmm. And then applying their sort of advanced statistical methods that can be used to essentially try to tease out well, what component of this relationship between eczema and learning might be mediated through itch, or what component, mm -hmm. what percentage, you know, of this relationship might be mediated through sleep. Uh, one thing I would worry about a little bit as, you know, an organization that represents parents of kids, sometimes young kids is that we, we fall into um, the trap of over-diagnosing ADHD in these kids mm -hmm. and putting them on ADHD meds when they're already yeah. on so many other things, you know? So that, that would be my concern without fully understanding the relationship to jump to that conclusion. And then, you know, we have more children taking more drugs that they potentially don't need to take. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think at this point, you know, we don't really have a clear sense for all the mechanisms, right, driving these connections between eczema and say ADHD, for example. And so without a 
you know, sort of clear understanding of all those mechanisms without sort of more data about this and, and data that really kind of tracks kids over time and takes into account, you know, treatments for the eczema and so forth. I agree. There may be some overdiagnosis here. We, you know, I don't think we have a clear sense for how, for how much potentially there might be. And then, you know, the next question is, well, what do we do about it? Do we really need to treat the ADHD or is it really that we just need to treat the underlying eczema in a better way? Yeah. Great questions for sure. And hopefully future directions um, to follow up on this study. So really cool. So this is sort of in a similar vein, but it has to do with treatments for eczema that may cause (laughs) uh, learning disability-like behavior. So even more complicated than what we talked about before, which was, you know, sort of, you know, the, the learning disabilities running through some of these symptoms that we see with eczema, but this is like actually an eczema treatment now being related mm-hmm. to what, what might be considered learning disabilities, specifically ADHD. And this is quite a, a controversial topic. We've touched on it in a couple other podcast episodes, but it's antihistamines. And some large data set work that was looking at associations found that use of antihistamines was associated with ADHD and certain behavioral difficulties in children. So I wanted to ask if you controlled for antihistamine use in this study and if you had any thoughts on this relationship in in general between eczema, antihistamine use, and, you know, maybe behavioral learning disabilities that might manifest. Absolutely. That's a great question. So the short answer is um, no, we could not account for antihistamines, unfortunately, and we really couldn't account for, you know, any specific kind of a eczema treatments. So that goes back to kind of what we were just talking about in terms of really being able to also look at, you know, the impact of therapy, right, on some of these learning outcomes that, that we've been sort of discussing. In terms of kind of the bigger question of, you know, how do, how do antihistamines potentially play into it, into this? I do think it's a great question. And there are, you know, different types of antihistamines, which in theory could potentially have differential in, you know, effects on function like attention and things along those lines. So, you know, when we think about really the the more sedating kind of the sleepy antihistamines, right, things like Benadryl or diphenhydramine, uh, you know, being the generic form of that, those types of antihistamines, they cross the blood brain barrier. And so that's what leads to kind of that sedative effect, it makes the kids sleepier. And, and, you know, in that setting, could certainly interfere with their ability to pay attention to, you know, do certain tasks. And so there, I think, you know, just the science in of itself makes sense for why you might be able to have or, or be able to observe some of these effects on attention and so forth. The second generation antihistamines, things like you know, Zyrtec and so forth, those are in theory less likely to be sedating because they're less likely to cross the blood brain barrier. And so in theory, you know, may interfere with things like attention and, you know, focus and all of that, perhaps a little bit less. I want to mention that generally, we don't really reach for antihistamines as a first line treatment. And, you know, it's been noted in treatment guidelines put forth by the American Academy of Dermatology that really, you know, it's, it's not a mainstay of eczema therapy, because, you know, though sometimes we may use it as sort of an additional or an adjunctive type of treatment, you know, it's, it's really not been shown to be particularly helpful for eczema in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That being said, I know a lot of you know, children with eczema, they also have allergies, right? Seasonal allergies mm-hmm. or hay fever for which they may be on these antihistamines anyways. And so if we really focus on just the context of eczema in and of itself, 
I think the first piece is there's not a whole lot of evidence to support that we necessarily need to be using it for, for treating the skin condition. And then secondly, if we are using it because perhaps they also have other um, allergies, you know, that would warrant their use. I, in that context, I think definitely future research needs to be done to, again, you know, sort of account for antihistamine use in some of these future studies. Yeah, really good points. I will say we hear a lot about kids being prescribed antihistamines or using antihistamines for itch, which is unfortunate because we know it's not a great therapy for itch, but you know, people are desperate and they want to take something for the itch. And so that's how that plays out. Sometimes it's seasonal allergies, but a lot of times it's itch. So, you know, that's a practice that really needs to, I think, be reevaluated, especially in children. I want to pose a question that came in ahead of time from a parent in Australia. I'm not sure that your study answered this, but perhaps you have an opinion on it. She said, my five-year-old daughter with eczema is displaying oppositional defiant disorder tendencies. I don't know whether this would be considered a learning disability, but wonder if it is a common issue for an eczema child whose frustration levels would be continually high. That's a great question. So I think if you went by sort of textbook definitions of oppositional defiant disorder versus learning disability, you know, there may be children who have both and there's overlap, but if you look at the diagnostic criteria in and of themselves, they're sort of considered separate entities. So that's just to sort of say, you know, technically speaking, there's sort of separate diagnoses, but there is in reality, a lot of overlap, right? And so kids who have conduct disorders or oppositional defiant disorders, they may be more likely to have learning problems and perhaps vice versa as well. So, so, you know, that being said, in terms of sort of the relationship between ODD of oppositional defiant disorder and eczema, there actually is some evidence to suggest that there could be a connection. Again, we don't really understand, you know, the potential mechanisms there. We don't understand sort of all the details of the behavioral sort of disorders that that could be related to eczema. But in some previous, again, sort of big data population-based studies that we've done, again, just looking at one snapshot in time at kids in the U.S., children with eczema are much more likely to also be diagnosed with a behavioral or conduct disorder, which would include oppositional defiant disorder, than children without eczema. In general, you know, it's a little bit higher. Again, we don't really know what's driving that potential association. And and I think that will, you know, need to be teased out. And then I'll also say we've done also some additional work kind of just looking at what we call kind of mental health impairments as as sort of a whole and kids with eczema compared to those without eczema. We looked at things like peer relationships, for example, you know, that includes sort of how how well you get along with your peers versus, you know, your adult relationships. There's also a more conduct disorder that sort of falls under that umbrella as well. And across all of those domains, including the conduct sort of behavioral piece, that subdomain. Again, we do see greater, greater prevalence or sort of higher rates essentially of those conduct disorders in children with, with eczema. Very intriguing in terms of that connection there and probably also related to all these other factors that we've been discussing so far, right? Like lack of sleep and, you know, chronic itch and all of that. So again, future work really does need to look at all of these things as a whole, and then again, further dissect out, you know, the, the, the sort of component that eczema plays in all of these different types of conditions. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other piece here that I know I've, I've heard parents in our group talk about is just the eczema kind of interfering with what would be normal development in the child. 
So you have these developmental stages, especially in early childhood, and because of the eczema, they're not sort of progressing in the normal way that they might, you know, both physically and and mentally uh, and socially. Mm-hmm. You can't sort of be hanging out with peers if you're just incredibly itchy and distracted and, and unable to interact in that way. So there's this extra layer of, we're talking often mm-hmm. about young kids and that process is being interrupted that would allow them to develop maybe those social skills or ways of coping or addressing emotion that would occur in a normal child. But in these kids, the eczema is kind of taking center stage on everything and they're not able to engage in that way. Absolutely. I, I think that is an unfortunate you know, effect, right? Of having this really debilitating chronic skin condition. And, and it sort of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier on, which is, you know, us as clinicians, you know, need to be, you need to more readily recognize. And I think plenty of us do already recognize that eczema goes way beyond the skin, especially in children, especially as they're, you know, young and going through these developmental kind of milestones, right? I mean, the, the first five years, of a child's life is really like the most critical period for a lot of social emotional development, cognitive development, obviously physical development. And that's also the time period in which children tend to, you know, start out with their eczema, right? Most kids are diagnosed with their eczema before the age of two, sometimes even sooner than that. And so there's tremendous overlap between these, you know, time periods. And so absolutely those, those concerns need to be addressed by us as clinicians, you know, and it's, I think it's, it's hard to know exactly what to do right now in terms of screening. And I don't know that we have the strongest data to support that we need to universally screen, right, for ADHD or for, you know, learning problems and all kids with eczema. But that being said, I think, you know, as a practicing um, clinician, on an individual level, this is something that I've incorporated into my practice, where I always ask my patient or their family, how they're doing just in general, how they're doing in school, if they're of school age, how they're doing with sleep. And that's just a way to kind of open the conversation to things beyond just talking about how's the skin looking. Great thoughts. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's almost like we need, you know, severe eczema in childhood to be recognized as an adverse childhood experience, right? Like an, what they call an ACE. (laughs) And then it can be, it can be addressed going forward after that. Yes. So Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, there's so much literature out there about chronic pediatric disorders, things like juvenile diabetes, even asthma, I think, you know, more people recognize that, yes, you know, asthma can have some really severe effects. And, you know, and it's sort of kind of, you know, readily recognized, you know, as a really um, debilitating kind of chronic pediatric disease. I don't know that eczema always gets that recognition, you know, so readily, right. But, you know, as a whole, I don't think we've sort of put it on the same radar, right, as all of these other kind of pediatric conditions. But there's been plenty of studies to show that it's just as debilitating. And so absolutely, I think that that piece is definitely part of it. If not more, is what we always like to say. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for, for being on the show, Dr. Juan. And thanks everyone for joining. And we'll catch you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast. To learn more and join Global Parents for Eczema Research or to subscribe to this podcast, please visit us at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast.